Because line of sight and true ballistic range are two very different things. And so you have to make sure. And again, when you go prove that, when you range downhill and it gives you a ballistic range of 64 and a half yards and you shoot and you dial up to 64 and a half yards and you pinwheel that target, hey, third axis is good. Shot execution is good. Push and pull through the release is good. Range finder is spot on. Check. You know, confidence check. Hey everybody, welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferris, and with me today is one of my best buds, somebody that I've been looking forward to having on the podcast for a long time. It's Jace Bowserman. And for those of you that might not be familiar with Jace, who've never picked up a magazine before, <laughs> Jace is a freelance writer uh, who's been doing it for quite a while now, and I would I would be willing to bet you're probably one of the most prolific that there is going right now. Every magazine that I open, I'm seeing your byline. You're doing a lot of writing. Um, Jace has uh, served as the editor for Bowhunting World, um, Archery Business, Inside Archery, and Bowhunt America magazines at one time or another throughout his career. Uh, <laughs> he's authored two different books, one on antelope hunting and one on turkey hunting. Um, like I said, He's one of my best buds. He's a Colorado boy. Doesn't live too far from me. Uh, I've I've known him for a long time, and this year he drew a really coveted uh, bighorn sheep tag here in Colorado, and just came off of a spectacular hunt. And he's also got a couple of other uh, uh, sought after tags that he's drawn this year. He's poised for a giant year. And uh, <laughs> anyway. I, I know that's a long and lengthy introduction, but thanks for coming on here today, Jace. Oh, buddy, thanks for having me. It's always fun to sit and talk bow hunting, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of on cloud nine, man. Uh, I'm just kind of <laughs> waiting for it to. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of waiting for it to come down a little bit. Um, it's been, it's been. Uh, see, I killed him on the third. Today's the twelfth, and uh, yeah, it just yeah. still feels like. I mean, I can just, I keep replaying it in my mind over and over and over and over again. And yeah, I just feel blessed and fortunate to have drawn the tag and then, um, got some great help and, uh, from, from some great people and was able to go up there and, and put it all together on a, on a really great Ram. Kind of my, my, not kind of my dream Ram. It was, it was my dream Ram. It was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. Dude. And you know, here in Colorado, we've got this thing called the big nine, well, the big eight and the big nine. So we've, we've yep. got, um, we've actually got 10 big game species here in Colorado, uh, right. but the big 10 isn't even really a thing because drawing a desert Ram tag here in Colorado, it's worth it. it the, the odds are like getting struck by lightning nine times in a row or something like that. I, it's, it, it's exactly. Ridiculous. You have better chance so, of winning the lottery, but I am waiting. I, I just need to draw my sheep tag. Well, I need to draw a sheep tag and then take a sheep. To get my big eight and my big nine. And then earlier this year, you holler at me and say, I drew a sheep tag. And I was like, screw you. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Your first two words to me were, you're one of the first people I called. And all I hear is, screw you, Bowserman. Because you always say Bowserman. Screw you, Bowserman. And I was like, hey, I know, whoa, dude. whoa, whoa, <laughs> I know, man. I was man. so excited. I was... I was calling anybody that would listen. You I know, know. Because you're sitting there and you get... You know the results are coming that day, right? And yeah. How many times have you clicked that email for moose, sheep, goat, whatever, 
usually those three, right? And you sure. click the button and you get, oh, thanks for taking applying in the Colorado draw. Unfortunately, this year, you know, and I had just clicked on my uh, my mountain goat one and it was like, oh, I'm successful. I was like, oh, look, there's my sheep one just came up. Time for another. And I clicked on it and this confetti goes, poof. Oh my gosh. I was like, gosh. there's no way. And then I, so I started <laughs> reading it and then I was like, okay, S69. And I went like four times oh. back and forth. And then I started screaming and my wife comes in my office and she's like, what happened? What happened? Cause she knows I'm accident prone. Right. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and things happen. And she's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I drew my sheep tag. I drew my sheep tag. And she was all happy. And she's like, how many days is it? I said, it's 31. And she's like, well, it looks like I'm going to be by myself for 31 yeah. days. So that's a possibility. Yeah. So no, it was, it was cool, man. The whole experience, you know, that's part of the drawing that those types of tags I think is, is it's the fun of actually drawing the tag and then the preparation that goes into the logistics and the shooting and the training and putting everything together, building up to that moment where you've, you've prepared and earned that once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, yeah. and, and it very well may be for me. I don't know if I'll ever get to hunt sheep again. So, right. um, I'd love to, right. but I don't know if I ever will. Right. Yeah. And you know, for we're blue collar guys, me and you are both blue collar guys. We're not yeah, heading up to BC on, on, uh, <laughs> sheep hunts left and right. You know, hopefully we're in the, we'd love to be in that position one day, but you know, that's not so. a reality for us. So when, when one of us draws something like that, it is a really, really big deal. And it's a really big deal for anybody really to draw a sheep tag these days. Um, yeah. But you know what? Before we get neck deep on this sheep tag, I, I kind of want to tell one of my favorite Jace Bowserman stories. So, oh, Jace these is, always scare me. Jace is, an ultra, Jace is an ultra marathoner. And uh, he's, I, I think he's crazy, but he's an ultra marathoner <laughs> and, and a pretty accomplished one. Um, and a few years ago, Jace had a, one of our, one of our buddies down here, bow hunting antelope, um, here in Colorado and long story short, our buddy makes bad shot on this antelope and the, it's a muscle shot that's bleeding a lot. And Jace knows, you know, Jace been around the block. He knows enough that you need to, he, he felt like he needed to keep that antelope moving. If it bedded down, it would clot up and everything would be fine. But if he kept that antelope moving, then it would not clot up and he would continue to bleed. He'd get weaker and weaker and there's a chance that that goat would be recovered. So he takes off on foot after this antelope. And I I don't know how big a property (laughs) that you were hunting, but it, it, it was a substantial one. And how long did that chase last? Uh, it was over how, three how miles. many how many miles it was over three over miles three, we know for sure it was over three miles is 100 and jace plus degrees the point of it. the story is jace <laughs> ran an antelope to death that's the point of the story it's, On not, foot, it's definitely jace ran oh. an antelope to death i don't know of another single human being on the planet who's done that cam haynes hasn't run an antelope to death if he has <laughs> he hasn't talked about it he's never told me about it jace bowserman ran a speed goat to death when jace drew this tag he's you talk about a um a a a guy who is prepared for whatever tag he might draw um there's no one i know who's more capable (laughs) and from a 
from a physical standpoint, from a shooting standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from an experience standpoint, you're one of those guys where I was like, oh man, I'm going to, I can't wait to see what he does with this. And, (laughs) you know, of course you got to work early on things and, you know, some of the, some of the things that you have to do when you draw a tag like that to get ready, um, fortunately you're here in Colorado and you had friends that were close to that area. Um, that was huge. Yeah. Huge. And, and another friend, Connor Clark from Gunnison, Colorado that, uh, yeah. just hunted that unit. Um, what, what last year or the year before? Uh, it was, it was last year, but he had the October season. Um, so, you oh, know, the later hunted season. Him. Yeah. And, and so, he, that was pretty fresh in his, in his mind. And, and, and he was just invaluable on uh, throughout the whole process. He's a great, great human. I love him to death. Well, one of the first things that you had to decide was what bow you were going to shoot on this hunt, this, which is yeah, an important true. decision. You know what I mean? It is. So it is. Tell, uh, that's one of the things I'm really interested in was your thought process when you first yeah. found out that you, that you got this tag and you decided on which bow you were going to shoot tell us what you chose and and try and explain a little bit of why sure um so you know when you get a tag like this once the once the awesomeness of oh my gosh i drew a sheep tag um settles in it's time to go to work because uh at the end of the day you know talking about it and stuff's not going to get the job done so um one of the first things um i did of course i try to train year round so i feel good about my fitness but at the end of the day you know, it comes down to being able to execute during crunch time. And I knew this was going to be, if I earned my shot, big time crunch time. Like I probably never right. felt before on any animal. So, um, I just, I went and I just started shooting. Um, I just started shooting the Hoyts that I had, to be honest. Um, I shot my Venom 33, which I love. Uh, I hunted all Turkey season with it. Um, but I kept going back to my RX four. I did not have the RX five yet. And I kept going back to my RX four. Right. And I remember one night I was sitting there and, and I was actually stressing about it. I was talking to my wife and I was like, I don't know which bow it's time to make a decision. You know, right. I, I I've got to have my bow and then my backup bow, but it's time to make a decision. Cause I need to spend a lot more time with one than the other. Mm-hmm. And she just put it really simply. She's like, which bow do you shoot the best? Right. And I said, I shoot the RX four the best. And she said, right. Which bow do you have the most confidence in? I said, right now my RX four. And last year, you know, I, I made a great shot on a bull with that bow. I, I killed several deer with that bow. And it's just one of those bows that when, when I put my hand in it and, and I come to full draw and I crawl into my anchor, I just feel relaxed. I feel good and, and, and confident. I put thousands of arrows through that bow and having had it for a year, as right. opposed to of having the venom for a couple of maybe a month or two, you know, right. Um, I just, that was my go-to. And, and so I decided right then and there, I was like, you know, Hey, this is the bow I'm going to go with. Um, it is the RX4 ultra. So it's a longer axle to axle bow, which I personally like. Um, you know, I've got, I've got it with running with an offset stabilizer. I've got everything weighted perfectly on it. I've got a spot hog, double pin, uh, hog father on it, my QAD rest, um, you know, I'm sitting here staring at it right now Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I shoot a pure hinge, you know, you know that. And that was another reason I went with this bow is, um, <clears throat> sometimes with my Venom 33, I just, I just wasn't getting, um, I don't know for whatever reason, I just wasn't getting, uh, my hinge to break over like I wanted it to. Sometimes I was at, sometimes I was at full draw for four seconds and sometimes it was at 12 seconds. I can never hit that real happy medium of 
you know, that shot breaking somewhere between five and eight seconds all the time, repetitive, five and right. eight, five and eight, five and eight. And so I just, I just went with my comfort zone and so going it, with my comfort I, zone made me that On a tag like that, I don't blame you at all, especially with it being an early tag where it started August 1st. And yeah. it sounds to me like your decision was made just based on the one that you were most used to. And it could have been Absolutely. a different, different scenario had you been shooting the, the Venom for 33 for the entire year before that. Oh, no question. And here's the yeah. thing with the Venom 33. I shot it during turkey season, but I'm shooting it, you know, eight yards, 10 yards on turkeys yeah. coming into to decoys and, and, and bow mounted decoys and the whole nine yards. The Venom 33 is super fast. Um, I've done extensive testing with it. It's a screamer. It's way faster than my RX-4. I was shooting Easton's new uh, four millimeter axis long range arrows. And I did extensive testing with that too, as far as both bows provided incredible accuracy. They were tuned to the hilt. My third axis was set perfectly on both bows, which something we should probably talk about for this type of hunt, which was absolutely crucial, especially with the shot that I had. Um, but I, I took the time to make sure that everything was dialed exactly the way that I wanted it to and right. uh, the way that I felt like it needed to be for me. And at the end of the day, um, yeah, that was just, that was just the decision that I made. and. Um, I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad. Plus, um, for me, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not the beefiest guy in the world. Um, so, you know, that, that carbon bow is a little lighter, um, toting it around in the woods up there. And so, um, a lot of factors went into it, but at the end of the day, and I think this is true for anybody, you know, don't get, don't, don't shoot a bow just because you think this is the bow I'm supposed to shoot, shoot the bow that feels the best and shoots the best for you. doesn't matter if that right. bow is four years old or it's brand new. I mean, comp, bow hunting is all about confidence. So, right, right, right. And at that particular time, you, you went with the one that you were more confident with that you had more time with. Yep. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That was my main decision in that for sure. And it was, it was a good decision. So the next step <laughs> is trying to jump on some, probably some desktop scouting, because even though yeah. you're fairly close out there and, and, and you were able to go out and spend some time, but, yeah. um, the desktop scouting kind of take us through your process with that. You know, man, the, the desktop scouting, um, was, was huge for me. Um, the, the great thing about it for me and the advantage that I had is, um, of course I'd been putting in for this, this particular unit for, for, for multiple years. I, I knew this was the unit I was going to hunt. My good buddy Grafton Singer, who lives up there, he, he tipped me off to this unit and he's like, this is where you need to bow hunt. And so I'd familiarize myself with, you know, I'd every occasionally I'd glance at it on, on, on hunt stand or on X or whatever. And, and, and I'd glance at it and be like, okay, here, here, this, here it is. And, uh, but I was able to have guys, you know, that had been in the unit that lived right there say, Hey man, these are some great glassing points. You know, right. these are, you need to spend time here, 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 and here. If you spend time in these areas, you're going to see sheep. Uh, right. you might not see them every time, but you know, this unit has a lot of sheep. Um, there's a lot of using lambs and there's, there's a, there's a great ram population. And so, you know, it was just a matter of, of finding those spots. And then, you know, when I made that first scouting trip up there, Grafton, Connor, I hadn't even met Connor face to face at that time. Grafton, right. you know, he runs his automotive, um, repair shop and, and, and he just couldn't get away at that time to go with me. So, you know, it was just me by myself going up. Um, and, and the very first thing I did was I just wanted to learn access I wasn't really right. necessarily concerned about finding sheep at that time because I knew I was going to find sheep. 
Um, I wanted to know how to get to all of these glassing points. Um, what roads tied them together? If I saw sheep here, how I could get to there? What's the quickest way? And then I started going to glassing spots. Um, so that was kind of the jumping off point for me was was getting all those spots marked up on a map on a digital mapping system, and then going to those spots and not necessarily spending a lot of time there at first, but just connecting the dots within the unit, knowing you know different things and and, and learning different things. Um, and then I just started posting up based on the position of where the sun was rising, um, so that I had the sun at my back in the morning and the sun at my back um, in the evening. And I was able to really, because those sheep, man, those rams, I, I, I don't know if you, if when you glass them, oh gosh, it just gives me chills. They glow. Their horns yeah. freaking glow. I don't care what anybody says. They glow. And <laughs> you're just looking for that white butt, you know? And, and um, yeah, it was crazy. The first three times I went, or the first, not three scouting trips, but the first three times on the first scouting trip, I went out to glass. I didn't see a sheep. And I think really? it was because I was so, yeah, I think I was so hyped up. And I mean, you know, you're looking over massive country and, 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 and I just wasn't, I just wasn't taking the time sitting down with my 15s and, and really picking, picking country apart. Um, right. And so I was like, I, I call it looking, to- I, I, I call it looking for ants and elephants. We yes, jump out there and when exactly. we first start, we're looking for elephants. And yep. sometimes it takes that, you know, spotting that first one and you're like, oh crap, it's an ant, not an elephant. I got, I need yep. to be looking for ants out there. And once you get your head into that, you, you start finding them. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was like, I wanted to see him so bad, you know, and then yeah. I'd go back to Grafton's house at night and he'd be like, what? You didn't see him? He's like, I was like no, <laughs> man, I didn't see anything. I saw you using lambs. I haven't seen a ram yet. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Of course, you right. know, you're starting to worry about it. It's, it's, this is yeah. like June, but I'm like, uh, I can't find sheep. And, uh, that fourth, uh, I guess it was the third evening. I went up to a glassing spot that they'd given me and I posted up and I was glassing and glassing. And then it was just like, boom, uh, yeah. there they were. There was a, there was a band of 18 Rams and I'm pretty sure the sheep I killed was in that group. Um, right. Which is really special. And, uh, after that, you know, it was just a matter of learning their kind of haunts and habits and being up there with them. I made three scouting trips. Each of those scouting trips were between four and six days long. I got to take my family. Um, and I just put, I put glass on sheep lots of times, just learning how to pick them up quickly, places they like to be, you know, different glassing spots that are the best for certain times. It's just, again, it's just putting that entire puzzle together so that when opening morning comes, there's no scramble. You have a, you have a detailed plan and a detailed mission and you're, you're on it. Right. Right. So, um, that was very fortunate of you to be able to go on three separate scouting trips. I mean, there's, there's, a lot of guys that draw a tag like that are in a completely different position and have to stress that desktop scouting a little bit more uh, because they aren't able to take so many trips out there. I've drawn uh, limited tags, really limited tags before that I was able to take one trip real quick, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes it was only spending half of an afternoon up in that unit or whatever, and that desktop scouting became super, super important, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But it's awesome that you did get to go up there that many times and, and find, uh, find a good band of rams. And you do think that that ram was in that first band that you found? I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was. I know I've looked at him um, at some point. Uh, 
I know that I looked at him at some point at, on some scouting trip. Uh, one morning, my son and I, this was a different scouting trip. This was the second trip we made up there. And we filmed, I mean, at 180 yards, uh, a band of 38 Rams. Uh, yeah. There was 38 Rams in a group. And I remember telling you about that. And I know for sure, yeah. without question, that uh, that he's in there because I, I can pick him out in, in the pictures of that group for sure. Um, right. the first, the first time I found them, they were, you know, three, four miles away and I was just getting horns and, and, uh, I didn't have, um, a phone scope at that time or anything like that. So I, I didn't get the greatest pictures of them, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I know that I know that Ram, um, I know I saw him several times. Um, so it was, it was cool to, to kind of conclude getting, you know, being at full draw on him. Right. So why don't you talk to us a, a little bit now about your shooting regimen and what you tried to do and uh yeah going into this when you're going sheep hunting there's a good chance that you're going to have some some vertical stuff some uphill and downhill and Ooh. the importance of third axis uh and mm -hmm. and getting used to those kinds of shots and kind of just your preparation process there uh, when you were closing in the last month yep um, of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm shooting, um, shooting every day that I, every day, really, I, sh I made it a point to shoot every single day. And, um, the biggest thing for me, uh, especially during that last month was I wasn't super concerned and I never really am super concerned with how many arrows I shoot in a given session. I want right. to make sure that each arrow I shoot is my, is, is the best possible shot that I can make every single time. And I think we get confused about that a lot because that doesn't mean it doesn't mean every shot I took during that last month month hit the 10 ring or the 12 ring on my McKenzie Ram target um, right. or my block target. It just mm -hmm. means that at that time with wind, with distraction, with whatever I had going on, my job was to let the release fire the bow and make the best shot that I knew how. And the arrow would be where it would be. And then it just comes to a matter of acceptance because there was, there was some days where, you know, you get you're thinking about sheep and you're excited and and I'm like, gosh, I didn't shoot the best today. And then you start micro analyzing everything and you're like, man, maybe I need to recheck my paper tune and maybe, and, and sometimes, you know, what I needed to do for me personally, mostly during that last month was just get out of my own head and go shoot like I shoot. Um, and then the biggest thing for me is, is when I went on those scouting trips and I even did it here at home because we do have hills and things like that is I expected some sort of pretty extreme uphill or pretty extreme downhill angle. And right. so I wanted to make sure first off that my third axis was set perfectly because your right. second axis can be set perfectly on flat ground. Um, and your third axis doesn't really mean anything on flat ground, but when you're shooting at angles, that third axis better be that, that, that better be set. Correct. Why don't we do this? I mean, it's difference. very, it's very easy for us to assume that everyone understands third axis. You know what I mean? Like, and, it and is there's a, a lot of guys here. There's a lot of guys here that probably do. And they're like, I don't need an explanation, but there's a lot of guys listening that don't understand exactly what it is. Try and put it in layman's terms for what that third uh, axis is for somebody that doesn't understand. Okay. So in layman's terms, um, third axis, basically if your third axis is off and you are aiming up or downhill, your bubble is actually lying to you. So yes. you could be off as much as a full body length of an, of, of an animal. So it's basically the head of your sight and it's tilt. Um, yeah. is, is kind of the best way I know to, to, well, to describe it. Um, the best way that I know to describe it 
is when you're standing on flat ground and let's say that you're aiming at a target um, and let's say that you don't look at your bubble, it's fairly right. easy for you to tell if your bow is perfectly vertical up straight up and down yep. when you're standing on flat ground on a football field. But when mm -hmm. you get into hilly terrain and you're, st especially when you're standing on uneven ground, it is yeah. very, very difficult if you, if you don't have a bubble that shows you whether your, your bow is perfectly vertical or not, you want to tilt that bow. I usually want to tilt it into the hill. And I think and, that's most common for everybody. That's what I do. Right. And, and when you're on uneven ground, it's very difficult to tell whether you're holding your bow straight up and down or not. And right. when you are aiming extremely uphill or downhill, um, it's, it's very important that that bow is perfectly vertical. And the third axis adjustment, all that does is it makes sure that your bow, that your bubble is accurate and lined up with your bow so that when your bubble says your bow is vertical, aiming uphill or downhill, that the bow actually is vertical. It and is. there's an adjustment yes. in how that sight fits on your bow that you need to be familiar with and you need to understand how to make. And it, it a lot of people don't think they need to real they need to really mess with it if they're not right. hanging out west in in really extreme terrain but yeah it, it can come into play for whitetail hunters out of tree stands big time especially oh. when your tree stands up on top of a ridge and you're shooting down into a into a hollow or something like that yeah um yeah so it's important to understand but on a hunt it's, like this where you're going for sheep it's vital it's it's absolutely vital, and 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 third axis can be confusing. Um, setting third axis on a lot of sites, it seems like you read it and you think, man, this requires a Harvard degree for me to do this. And if you're right. struggling with that, just take it to take it to a trusted pro shop. Let them do it. They can do it with a Hooter shooter machine. That's one of the best ways to set third axis, in my opinion. Um, some of the spot hog sites that actually have the wire um, that yeah. goes down. There's ways that you can do it. Set third axis with that. But read about it, and because it's 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 not that hard um, to figure no. out. But some sites are a little more complicated. But if you have any questions, go to your pro shop; they'll know what to do and get that third axis set. I would recommend it for everybody. Whatever you're yeah. hunting, you want everything to be as dialed as possible. So once I once I thought because I'm not I consider myself a good bow technician, but I'm not the world's best. Once I thought my third axis was set the way that I needed it to be, and everything was right. I had to prove it. I have to prove everything for myself. So what I right. did was I took a, a foam target and I carried it and I shot that target 30 yards straight downhill, 40 yards, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards. I mean, angles, extreme 45 degrees downhill and, angles, and extreme downhill angles, right. you know, and, and uphill vice versa. Right. I did both. Right. Um, right. And Nothing made me more confident. I, I remember I, I actually posted a video on Instagram and, and that video jumped to my mind moments after I watched my Ram fall down. I was like, that's, that's why that is why, I mean, I was up there scouting and I had sheep in my glass and I'm like, okay, I know where they're at again. And I just started carrying a foam target down the hill and I'd, I'd execute, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred yard shots straight downhill, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred yard shots. And the confidence to see those shafts smack home and smack center, if I went through and did my job, I right. knew now, okay, my third axis is set. If it wasn't, 
I'd miss that foam target right or left, depending. I'd miss right. the whole thing. Right. Um, and right. that was same uphill and downhill. And so once I proved that to myself, then it was just a matter of not overshooting, just like training for an ultra marathon for me. I wasn't overshooting, especially in that last week. I'd go out and shoot three or four arrows. You know, one day I remember I walked out to 90 yards at the house and drew back and just boom, center punched the ram target, came in, hung my bow up and went back to work because right. that's, that's the kind of bow hunter psyche and the mentality that you want to go in with, right? You don't want to go in with, um, and sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes if I overshoot during those last few days before any hunt. I start mm-hmm. to microanalyze and I think, oh, why was I a little bit left? Why was I two inches right? right? Well, because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect and right. I'm going to be a little left or right. And I don't want that in my head right now. I, I just mm-hmm. want to go execute the best that I know how, come in and put it away for the day and say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've done everything. Right. Now it's just time. Now it's all about ex- execution. The other thing that I think that, you know, because I've been in your backyard where you've got all your targets and it's a flat piece yeah. of ground and you've got out to yep, about very 60 flat. yards. And that's all you got. If you don't go out there and do what you're talking about, go up into some cliffy terrain and and execute some of those extreme angled shots. Um, The other thing that it gives you confidence in is your angle finding uh, angle compensating rangefinder. That's right. You got to prove that on those on those uphill and downhill angled shots. um, That thing has to be it, it has to be reading it correctly because you're you know. I'm not going to go into the explanation of this, but you, if, if the target line of sight is 60 yards away from you, you're not shooting that target from 60 yards when you're shooting a, a 40% incline, you're shooting it for less than that. And that angle compensating rangefinder compensates for that change in elevation. Um, yep. And, and you know, not all of them are created equal. Um, no, they're not. I don't know which one that you were using. But I was I doing was using, that I gives you confidence trusty, in that. Uh, yeah, I was choos- I was using my loophole that I always use. Yeah, um, yep. And that it, it never it's never failed me. Um, it's 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 the best personal rangefinder that I've used for me. Um, right. And you know, but I still went and proved it. You know, I still wanted to make sure that you know because line of sight and true ballistic range are two very different things. Um, right. And yep. so you have to make sure. And again, when you go prove that. When you range downhill and it gives yeah. you a ballistic range of 64 and a half yards sure. and you shoot and you dial up to 64 and a half yards and you pinwheel that target, hey, third axis is good. Shot execution is good. Push and pull through the release is good. Range finder is spot on. Check. Yeah. You know, yeah. confidence check. Good things. You know, that's it, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that's so cool about some of these extreme shoots that are happening nowadays. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, man. Yes, because these guys are going out there and they're getting the chance to 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 work through all of these things all the time just yeah. for their for their normal hunting, you know. Um, oh, yeah, the tax shoots and some of the other ones they're uh, they're just super cool to be able to go to if you can get to one. Um, and if because you can, it's where, I, would, I would highly recommend it. They're, they're, yeah, it's it's the proving tough ground. shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's fun. It's you get a bunch you, of buddies and you go, you know, jack around and have fun. And it, it's, it's where it's you make all time, of these you know? things come together. Um, That's right. But for you, That's right. going out into the actual country where you were going to be doing yeah. this and, and, and taking a target along and being able to whip some shots out, that, that yep. 
builds confidence, man. That's and that's yeah. what you need. And another thing too that I wanted to prove to me is is my my elevation. Um, I've had talks with Tim Gillingham about this. I've had I've had talks with other people about this, and I wanted to double check my tape too. I want to make right. sure that my tape, you know, I shoot it when I'm shooting here at home, I'm shooting at 4,300 feet roughly Right um, up there. I'm shooting 9,800 feet. Um, right. So I wanted to make sure that the tape that I was using here was mm-hmm. the same tape that would work for me up there. What were there right. any variances? Were there any discrepancies? Did I need to adjust? Did I need to go up a tape or down a tape? Because, you know, you're talking about you know, looking for micro accuracy. And so again, dotting all those I's and crossing all those T's, I, mm-hmm. I think for any hunt, when you do that, it just, um, I keep going back to the word confidence, but that's what it has to be about. You know, you have to, you can't go into that hunt with any doubt in your mind about your equipment, uh, things you should have, or, you know, I should have done this off. Oh, I'd only done this, just do them, make a list, right. keep a shooting journal, cross things off, be very honest and open with yourself about your progress, how you're doing. You know, it's just, it's one of those things that you, you can be in the best shape in the world. You can be the best hunter in the world. You can get close to game, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to when you earn that shot, you have to, you, you, you got to capitalize or, or you don't. And I mean, it's just, that's what makes this sport amazing. That's what makes it take you to the top of the world. And to the armpit of hell, it feels like sometimes. Oh. Um, but you know, it just, uh, I'm familiar with sport. that armpit. It's funny. You were just, <laughs> you were talking about the elevation, uh, just a few minutes yeah. ago. And that's something that yeah. people don't often think about. And yeah, I, I personally believe I, I shoot a lot of helical on my arrows and I, I and do too. My home I, here. We're the same on that. Yep. And my home here is at 7,300 feet. And mm-hmm. I have seen it time and time again that when I drop down, like go on a whitetail hunt where I'm at a thousand feet or, or, or less, I'm shooting low. My tape sure. is, I'm, I'm shooting low on my tape and it's yep. because that helical is grabbing that air that is thicker and slowing that arrow down faster. It's the, it's the humidity in that air too. That air exactly is heavier. right. Exactly right. That air is heavier all the way around. And yep. A lot of people don't realize that. I honestly think that if you don't shoot a helical and you're just shooting offset, it probably affects the arrow a little bit less. But if you were coming, yeah, a little bit less because you're not grabbing as much air with that arrow. But um, if you are coming from low elevations and you're going to high elevations on a big hunt like this, it is something that you have to think about and it is something that you have to test when you get there. Because it, yep. it, if you're, especially if you're shooting quite a bit of helical on your arrow, it's very yeah. likely that if you go up 10,000 feet in elevation from where you've yeah. created your tape down low, the air's thin. You're, going to be shoot, you're going to be shooting high. The air and is you better, thin. you got to watch for it. You've got to watch for it. And, and it's those little details that can make the difference between success and failure. And, and we hear people talk about it all the time. And we think, oh, come on, guys, we're, we're blowing this completely up too much. Right. I, I just I, I think it's our responsibility to make sure as bow hunters that that those I's and T's are are crossed and it's cool. I mean, I'm a gear I'm a gear junkie, I'm a gearhead. I want to know why things do what they do. You know, I've had right. long talks with Gary Cornum at Easton about about different different flights of arrows and, and, and different positions of the veins. Like like you said, you know, if you shot a straight fletch, 
which I don't yeah. recommend for anybody just saying, <laughs> but yeah. uh, if you shot a straight up, just straight fletch, mm-hmm. it's not going to grab as much air because it's straight down the shaft. There's no angle of that, of it at all. But when you're shooting right. a, a helical three degree, four degree, five, it's something pretty extreme on a helical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's grabbing that air. Cause that's, what's cr- creating that arrow to spin, which gives us the accuracy that we like, but right. you know, you got to make sure you just got to, you got to check everything. Right. Yep. When you get there to that hunt, you need to, you, you need to be shooting in the, doing some practice in the country that you're hunting. And you know, a lot of times that means the day that you get there, you know what I mean? Um, but so now we'll move on to kind of the, the beginning of that hunt and how that, how that hunt went (laughs) down, man. Um, this is super cool. My son, um, he goes to school up there in Gunnison and yep, it, Lane it was, it, it just happened that this was going down right before his, uh, football camp was starting. Um, he, he's in his final year playing college football up there and I was wanting to get up there to help you guys too, but I was just too slammed with our business here, uh, here yeah. at home. Um, yep. but you had, you had Grafton and oh. you had Connor and you had I Lane had <laughs> yeah, and uh, I had the A and, team, and they had a very, very low B minus. Is what I kept telling <laughs> them. Uh, I had one of my best friends in the world from home. His name's Jason Weaver. We've had incredible adventures together. I had yeah. Connor and Grafton, and I had Lane, and it was really yeah. special because for the first two days of the hunt, um, I had my dad there. Which oh, uh, did you? Dad, really? I didn't dad, even. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Yeah, dad is dad is not a hunter. Um, yeah, he thought I got took the wrong kid home from the hospital, but I asked him to go on this hunt. I, I've, I've really never asked him to go. Cause I know that's not really his thing, his forte. Uh, right. And I don't want to, you know, we, we have a great relationship. It's just, we don't hunt together. And right. I asked him to go. I just said, dad, this is going to be this is a, a special. little bit mentally stressful for me. Um, I, I, I'd love to have you there just because he's, he's kind of that person that just, he, he relaxes me. Um, right. you know, and I knew it might be a grind. I knew that, and I was ready to go 31 days. You know, my wife who is the best thing God ever gave me is, uh, she gave me 31 days. She said, yeah, you know, 31 days. She made a cup, uh, a coffee cup for me that said, uh, no excuses, be an athlete, get it done. Um, and really she pictures that she, oh yeah, dude, it was freaking dude. She was ready. Is- she, she was, she was, she was an interest. Uh, knowing you know how it is when you have a family and kids and you know i have three kids and 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 you start thinking about being away from home and sports are getting ready to start for them and stuff um yeah it's very hard to stay laser focused but when you have that type of support system and a wife who's calling you every night saying don't you shoot a small ram i don't want you to come (laughs) home yet don't you shoot a small ram i you stay you get after you know that just kind of that that made the difference that makes a difference for me um, yeah. that was a huge thing for me. Um, so sure. I definitely need to say that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we went, uh, the, we, the night before the night before the hunt, it was really awesome because there were sheep everywhere. I yeah. mean, there was sheep ever. We couldn't go somewhere. Lane was finding sheep in the Canyon. We called Lane the Canyon runner because he ran yeah. that Canyon in that truck glassing up. Like it was nobody's business. You know, Connor, Grafton, Jason, my dad and I, we were up on glassing points and we, we just were finding sheep. It was just sheep, 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 sheep. Um, so it was really crazy. 
And uh, there was there was two other hunters in the unit too. Uh, we met right. both those guys. We'd met them up there. Great guys, um, wonderful guys. And we just all said, you know, hey, we're going to work together uh, on this type of a on this type of a hunt. Everybody wants a sheep. And yeah. if you're stalking something and you're on sheep, we're not coming in on top of you. You know, we want right. the same thing in return. It, it, that that was just that was great. And a lot of times we'd end up glassing with their glassers. You know, because right. the spots were, and then it was like, well, you guys found them, or why don't you go after this band? We'll go after this band. So yeah, um, I remember laying there that night before before uh, opening morning, and and I just wanted, I just kept reminding myself more importantly that I think than anything, it's something I want to. If you draw a once in a lifetime tag, I just kept telling myself it's another hunt. Yeah, uh, you've done this before. Don't get over psyched out because it's took you 19 years to draw it and it's a bighorn sheep and right. it's another hunt. You have to go at it and wake up in the morning and go after it like you would a pronghorn at home or a whitetail or anything else. You have to go be your best. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. And the chips will fall where they may. Right. And, you know, first day, first two hours, Grafton, Lane found sheep. Lane found these sheep. Uh, we were glassing. He lets us know he found sheep. Grafton's like, oh, we got to get down there. If you don't know Grafton, which I know a lot of you don't. It is a hundred yeah. miles an hour wide open. He's had his ninth rock star of the morning and it's eight o'clock <laughs> and we're coming off a mountain because he owns an auto body shop with, in a in a Tahoe that bouncing up and down and going, I'm trying to like, don't gosh. And we yeah. get over there and, and Lane's sitting up on this hillside and he's got him. He's on the spotter. Um, right. We looked, there was a Ram. We thought, oh yeah, for sure. You know, 160 plus inch Ram. Uh, right. We're going to make a stock on him and Grafton and I made a stock and we got to 20 yards um, awesome. and Grafton actually popped up first over this little rock. I was behind him because uh, he had the last visual on him. So I said, mm -hmm. you know, you, you give it the quick and one of those other banana head rams because they just bed. They're so hard. They bed every which way when they're in these big, you know, they bed left, they bed right, they bed facing it. One of those right. stood up, caught him. And I mean, they, they don't just kind of bust out. It's just, boom, they're gone. Rocks yeah. are flying. Um, right. I had a probably 130 inch ram stop at 100 or at uh, sorry at 38 yards. Could have shot him. Let him go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was kind of the story of day. All of day one had two or three stocks. Day two, I had two or three stocks. Uh, the morning of day three was pretty uneventful. We we watched some sheep. We you know put eyes on some sheep. And then yeah at. Uh, Gosh dang, it was about two o'clock. It was a horrible rainstorm. One of my buddies, Jason, had gone into town to get gas because we were in needing gas. And Connor and I stayed up on the mountain and we were glassing and we get a we get a radio that, hey, I found sheep and you guys need to get over here because there's at least one shooter and I think there's three. Okay. So it's like chasing tornadoes, man. It's such an emotional roller coaster. It was just like we're on sheep. We got to go here. We got to go there. there. There's sheep over here and, and, uh, make our way over there, glass them up. The, the, the three sheep we wanted to kill. Um, we named them Jack, Rodney and Romulus. That was our three Rams. We had Jack, Rodney really? and Romulus and Jack, Rodney and Romulus were all together <laughs> with six other Rams. So there was nine why do, Rams. Why do we always get such a big kick out of naming them? I, 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 I don't I, know. I didn't name them. I didn't I, know they were named until I killed them. And then they came back down oh, and they had all named them. <laughs> Oh my god. They're gosh, like, you that's... killed Rod you killed you killed Rodney. And I was like, I killed who? They're like, yeah, Jack. And, and now Jack was named last year by Connor after Jack yeah. O'Connor. And oh, okay. we knew Jack. 
But Rodney yeah. and Romulus, I didn't know Rodney nor Romulus. I just knew they were big Rams. Right, and they right, had named right. them by the time I got back, which was just like hilarious. But um, I could not make an approach from the bottom because of the yeah. direction, because of the wind. Um, and I did have a spine ridge to work with that I would have gone from the bottom on. But right. I had to go uh, all the way around, uh, made about a two-mile stock. Um, I had them marked. Um, I just took my I just took my hunt stand app and I marked exactly where they were, um, right. it, it, the best that I could. And I took some photos with my phone of one tree that was above this rock outcropping that I thought no matter where I am, I can right. see that tree. Right. And I I got to that tree and I, I could feel the adrenaline starting to kick in. I knew I was close to sheep. And I look to my right and there's a decent 140 inch ram and he's bedded on this big rock. It was the most beautiful thing. He's just bedded there, just right. chilling. Right. And I couldn't see any of the other rams, none. And there was a couple of other little banana heads that all of a sudden got up and they were walking around and he'd look straight down off that rock. And I thought, oh gosh, dang. Um, so I'm up there getting ranges. It was an hour and a half of watching that ram. And finally he got up and jumped off the rock. When he did, these other rams got up that I, there was no way Couldn't I could see. see him from my, they were back underneath me and behind, or excuse me, in front of good boulder cover. Right. And they stood up and I was like, oh my gosh, they're the, that's them. And I took a range, 64 and a half yards. And, then, and this is this is extreme downhill below. Extre- you, greater right? than forty five. Yeah, really. It was extreme so, downhill. Line of sight was I don't know eighty plus. I I, I don't know it. Right. But I made this shot. Like I right. made this shot in my mind. I made this shot a thousand times mentally in my mind, and I made it in this country. And right. I just just hooked on, drew back. Um, so the, it was he was in a group of how many? How many? He was were in right a group of nine. Him? He and was how in a many group were of right nine. Next he to him? was the lead ram. Did you have to wait for him to, nope. to, to clear the lead ram. anything? Usually, what I learned is the lead ram, the bigger one. You know, one of those monster rams is usually in the lead when they go somewhere. And when right. they had all gone up and decided to feed across this, he was the lead ram. Right. And he was the ram okay. I ranged at sixty four and a half. I knew he was one of the big three. I did not know which one he was. I just knew that. I could see heavy bases, good, you know, three quarter, maybe more curl, looks solid, holds mass all the way out. And I drew back and uh, said, said my little prayer that I say. And when the hinge broke, because I was so down, I mean, if I would have went forward, I'd have been seeing you on the other side. (laughs) Right. Because it was, it had been over. Um, You were cliffed out. When the hinge broke, I heard that plop. You know, I heard that distinct plop. Yeah. He did. He wore it. I mean, he wore that severed head like I, I, he didn't move. And right. then all of a sudden, they all got together and then they were in a street, street field of rock and uh-huh. they all ran to the middle of that street field, just ran to the middle and stopped. Right. And I'm trying to get, you know, binos on him and like, which one? I, I, they're all in the middle. And then eight Rams took off and he's just standing there. And then all of a sudden, his back right end. He takes a step backwards and, you know, at that point, you know, I'm just starting to, I was like, oh my God, he's going to, you know, and then his left one goes and then he topples over and I saw a right leg go up in the air 
I thought. Right. I was pretty certain. But I lost him because he did go over the left side of the spine ridge. And oh. then the bottom of that canyon, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I could hear all those guys. I can't believe, you know, Connor. Oh, you could hear. Down. Oh, guys. I could hear him screaming. So I get on the radio and I'm like, and I'm at this point, I'm teared up because I'm pretty sure it's over. I can't believe it. I get on and I'm like, are you guys 100% sure he's down? Because if he's not shut up, <laughs> because I didn't know, I was like, I want him to bed or want him. And my, my buddy Jason gets on and he goes, buddy, I'm looking at his nose pointed straight up in the air and there's bubbles popping out of his side. You are done. We got him. It's over. And then I just, I just lost it. I went absolutely bananas. I started crying. Um, I was just so thankful. And, uh, you know, the best moments of that hunt for me were each of those guys walking up that hill. Cause I had about yeah. 20 minutes with my Ram, just, just yeah. me and just me and him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just sat there with him and thank God for the experience. And it's just, just held those horns. I just wanted to hold those big, heavy horns, you know, and, yeah. and then each guy that came up the hill, you know, it was a big hug. Um, you know, they Grafton was teared up. Connor was teared up. Jason was teared up. You know, my dad had gone home, but you know, it just, and then Lane got there later, brought a guy yeah. from school. We, we all packed him out. It was, you know, it was just one of those hunts where you just like, it was just everything that I wanted it to be. Everything that yeah. I hoped for and prepared for, it just it just happened. And uh, it couldn't happen with a better bunch of guys, you know. And, and I tell everybody all the time, you know, I, I made the shot, um, yes. But that was a complete and total team effort. Right. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't kill that sheep. There was right. seven to eight guys that killed that sheep. And, and right. that sheep belongs to them just as much as it belongs to me in my mind. Right. Because I think right. too many times we want to put the, oh yeah, wow factor. You know, I did it. Yep. I did it. I did it. All I did was make a good stock and made a good shot. That's all I did. Right. They did everything right. else. They found the sheep. They were there for everything. They were there for the highs and lows. And you know, it was just special, man. It was a special hunt that I'll never, ever, ever forget. Absolutely. And I, man. I probably man. rambled there, but I was, I'm super no, stoked. No, no. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm like, so stoked. I, the ram that you took, I was I was so stu because I got a phone call from Lane. I, I yeah, think that he was at. Oh, a, Lane was. He was Lane in a football, football meeting practice. or something. I don't know if I should have told you. Lane left football practice early. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. Might need to edit that part out. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm so doing our time. He didn't. He he did. He calls. He he calls me and he's like, he was the first one I heard from. Jay's got one. I'm headed up there. I'm meeting him at the sheep right now, you know, and then, yep. Yep. you know, a little bit later, I get the pictures that he's sending me of, of, of you with that head on, on your back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh man, he killed a good Ram. Like I, it was, yeah. you know, 170 inch Ram is a very yeah. good Ram and he's a little, he's, yeah. he's a little over that mark. Um, he is. And uh, man, I'm, I'm tickled to death for you. I'm, I'm, green with envy you know uh <laughs> i i want it so bad and and you know you're you were talking about um convincing yourself that this is just another hunt and like yep. for me personally when it comes time to if if i am fortunate enough to draw a tag you one will of these be. days be because of the fact that that's the only one that i need 
I'm going to have a real hard time telling myself there. that this is just another one. This is I'll just another one. I know you will but be. I, I know. I think <sighs> you have to, though. And that's one of the things I decided. Yeah. You know, when my wife is, she's such a good mental person. And just talking with her and, and Connor had mentioned it to me, too. Um, like, man, you know, it, 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 you have to look at it that way. You have to, right. you can't put too much pressure on yourself or you won't enjoy it. And, and when I look back on this hunt, I enjoyed every part about it. Nothing was, I mean, was I nervous when I drew back on that sheep? I was terrified. The people yeah. say, I don't, I, I was, I was absolutely worn out. I was, yeah. I'd watched, been up there for an hour and a half. I was overcome with anxiety. I was jacked up. But because of the preparation that I'd done, I'm just fully convinced that I just let the release fire the bow. I made the best shot I could under those circumstances. It wasn't the right. best shot I could standing flat-footed in my backyard at 80 yards on a, on a monster block target. It was right. the best shot I could make at that angle downhill, and that was the best shot I could make, and I was fortunate that it, that it, that it worked out. You know, And that's as yeah. bow hunters, that's... At the end of the day, that's all you can do. If you've, if you've given your best, you know, I think it was General George Patton that said, if a man gives his best, what else is there? And right. I try to think about that a lot because in life, in football, and in, in, in bow hunting, it doesn't matter. In riding, if you yeah. give your absolute best, and at the end of the day, you know you did. Yeah. There's nothing yep. else. There's, there's nothing else. Because um, I know I had a lot of people ask me leading up to this hunt, you know, lots. What if yeah. you don't get one? What if, what if you don't kill one? It was 19 years. You'll, you won't get another tag. What if you don't? What if you don't? What if you don't? What if you don't? Right. And like my answer to that was to them and to any, that the, the hunt doesn't define me as a person. Yeah. doesn't define right. me as a bow hunter. Um, I just know that I'm going to go in and I'm going to give my absolute best. And because that's all I can give. And yeah. usually you'll find if you're new to bow hunting, if you just started into it, if you've been doing it a long time, I think you'll probably agree. If you go into every hunt with that attitude and give your absolute best, most of the time you earn that opportunity. Most of the time you right. get to, you get to cut, cut loose an arrow at that animal that you hope so strongly to get a shot at. Um, so I just think that's something to really keep in mind. And then you're not, you're in a better state of mind throughout the hunt and you're in a better state of mind on those hunts when you come out and they don't work out because you're going to have them where right. they don't work out it's you are it's I going have. to happen you know <laughs> yeah that's exactly right there's the there's those that have been humbled and those that are about to be that's um, the thing in this sport man you yep. just you never know when it's <laughs> but uh yeah because well, that's, that's the I, truth i can't tell you how happy i was for you throughout this entire thing and i you know so bummed that i couldn't get up there but at the same time when you've got a good group like that it it was almost yeah. like man you didn't need anybody else you didn't need anybody else there um but i would have loved to have been there and i know you like would've. i said going into this um man you've got a heck of a year on tap yet you you've You've also drawn yeah, there's some good, a, a really limited entry coming elk up. tag coming up. Me and you yep. might be antelope hunting together here in a in yeah, week very or shortly. So. Um, very shortly. And what what else do you have on tap this year? 
Uh, you know, I'll be out at my buddy Terrence for Whitetail in Nebraska. Uh, that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite hunts that I do every year. That's just kind of become a tradition with Taryn and I. Um, get to go out there and spend a week in the Whitetail Woods in Nebraska, and it's it's a pretty well, big, good place. You, you, I love it. You already killed the biggest buck Taryn has had on his place that's for the true. last 10 years, so I'm surprised he even let you come back. <laughs> oh, is Me there too. another one? Is there oh, another gosh. one? Oh, gosh. Really? Really? Yeah, he's he's like, got one. Oh man, he's got his booner. You know, he uh, Taryn works so hard, and he's got yeah. his booner. And you know, there you can you can run cell cameras. You know, all the way. Right. And right. so you know, um, I have a link to his cameras, so we've got everything right. linked together. So I get these pictures, and and uh, he calls me the other night, and he's like, you know what? He's like that buck could very well end up over at your over where you're at. He was there last year. And I was, and he was like, it was November. And I was like, I'm not shooting that deer. I was like, I 100% know what that deer looks like. I swear I will not shoot. If you see him, it might be the only time we see him. So you shoot him. And so we've gone back. I won't shoot that deer. I, before I will not shoot that deer. There is some other great deer that I'm going to, that I'm happy to chase, but that one's for my buddy. He's puts in so much work and, and he does, he does everything while I'm, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I just I can't be there for all the food plots. And I went out there this spring, and we did you know four or five days of some really tough work. But you know, I feel fortunate to be able to go out there. And then I've got Colorado um, deer here, um, whitetail, yeah. um, and that one's going to get filmed. So I'm I'm super pumped about that. And, yeah, Jace is uh, doing some good couple, docs on camera. Couple episodes of so, Bowhunter TV with us this year, which yeah. is going to be yeah going to be a lot of fun. And going to be a lot know, of we're, fun, man. We're getting. We're getting to about the time where we need to wrap up, but before I we know. go, I want to kind of give people an idea of where to find you. So if you want to find Jace, open a bow hunting magazine, number one, <laughs> just open a bow hunting magazine and look through it. And, uh, you're probably going to find his byline in there. Um, he's writing a lot, uh, this year he's, he's filmed a few hunts for uh, bow hunter TV, um, uh, associated with bow hunter magazine. And uh, if you want to find him on Instagram, he's Jace underscore Bowserman. Bowserman's a crazy name to spell, but you'll you'll be able to find him. B a u s e r m a n. But um, Jace is uh, uh, somebody you need to get familiar with. Um, he he is uh, not one of the ones that's out there waving his own flag as much as he probably should. Uh, but he's one of the most he's one of the most capable guys that I know. And somebody that you can really learn a lot from. Um, and, buddy, we'll have you on here again, uh, hopefully telling another cool story about another big critter. But uh, thank you so much for coming on here. And, and you do a great job, man. You do a great job. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thank, thanks thanks, so much. It was a blast. And, and uh, look forward to some more adventures together, bud. All right, man. Well, we hope everybody enjoyed it. And we will uh, see you next time. <laughs>